that's what gives me satisfaction is just being able to make a little something from just down the road that is unequivocally from this place and it's only got some cultures and salt in it and it tastes like what it tastes like because that's the, what the milk tasted like that came from that farm. My name is Dan Sims and welcome back to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast where we speak to the makers, growers, farmers and families who just happen to make the best cheese in Australia. To wrap up our month-long celebration of Aussie artisans, today I talk with the amazing Rachel Nieberter from the Butterfly Factory in Yarragon, West Gippsland. Rachel's story is a truly fascinating one, filled with incredible anecdotes, all wrapped in a love for all things gastronomy. From the cheese side of things, you could say it escalated during her time in France, and in particular Burgundy, where she met her husband, winemaker William Downey, which then brought her to create a home in Gippsland, and finally to establish her own brand, the micro-dairy, the Butterfly Factory, at the start of 2020, focusing on milk, yogurt, butter, and of course, cheese. This is cheese production on a truly small artisan scale, but from small things, big passions can come. And thanks to the recent completion of her very own cheese factory on her farm, you can expect to see more and more exciting cheeses being produced here. I've had the privilege of chatting with Rachel a number of times now, and I'm so grateful we finally got the chance to record a chat and help share her story with you, and hopefully even share some of her cheese in the monthly boxes. Stay tuned. In the meantime, I'm going to leave a few links in the description of where to find her cheese, as well as a video we did with Victoria together celebrating dairy in Gippsland. But for now, let's get into it. Rachel Nibida, welcome to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast. How are you going? Thanks, Dan. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Oh, I am very well. And it's a, it is a beautiful sunny day in Gippsland and everything is going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's what I'm telling myself if you, today. If you look outside, you would you, you could believe that, yeah. <laughs> spring, is, spring is springing and, yeah, looks like a good day to be alive. It does indeed. Well, look, I've been wanting to catch up with you on the podcast for, uh, well, I think pretty much since we started this um, uh, humble podcast back uh, in early 2020. Uh, I thought it would be a really great chance to catch up with you because you've got uh, some new news, obviously, with some cheese production. But before we get stuck into that, Rachel, could you maybe tell us a little bit about the Butterfly Factory and how it came to be? Sure. Uh, It's... (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I know that, it's not exactly a, a, sh- a short story, so let, we'll, let, let's let's do phase one. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not that much to it, really. I mean, it's something that um, I wanted, been wanting to do for about twenty years, um, and so I didn't know it was, we would call it that. But I wanted to make cheese on our on our farm, um, at, uh, so a farmhouse cheese. Um, because I had, uh, because I had been really taken with what I had seen in France and eaten there, and and I guess that was the motivating reason. Um, you know, what can you do? What, yeah, what can you make from what you grow on your farm? And I wanted that to be cheese. Um, and it just um, took us quite a while to get to the point of starting the business. Um, because we did we did buy a farm and kind of grapevines and. And we had children, and um, and just all everything just takes 
much longer than you think. <laughs> um, so we, yeah, so we did, um, it eventually got to the point where we were, we, we, you know, had a little bit of capital we could invest in setting up a small dairy and, um, yeah, we, we, we called it butterfly factory because, um, well, there are a number of butter factories in West Gippsland. They're all really lovely buildings and, and we'd kind of looked at one and we thought we might, you know, we dreamed about buying it at one point, but, um, but my, my little daughter called it Butterfly Factory instead of Butter Factory. And I thought, oh, that's, that'll do for a name. Um, and, yeah, we leased a, a space a few years ago in Warragul and, and started up fresh, fresh dairy and then slowly worked up to the cheese. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of where, it, in, in, yeah, there's an abbreviated history there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we're talking Warrigal in, uh, in the Gisland area. You know, what, what was it about this area? What, what brought you out here in the first place? Oh, that was my husband, Bill Downey. That's all his fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I met him when I was living in France, and I had no intentions of ever leaving. Um, but then, yeah, fate has a way of, you know, Changing your plans, I suppose. He and he grew up in East. Uh, sorry, in what would you call that? It's Latrobe Valley, fairly and squarely. I think is that's not East Gippy. I guess is it Central? Anyway, central? yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we had a Central Gippsland, but let's call it Central. Just out of Traugen, and he is he's definitely from this place. Like born and bred, and um, he did a stint working. He got involved in wine and had uh, done a stint with. Um, Philip Jones in uh, in South Gippie there at at Bass Philip and and then he did a stint at Bortley and uh, I guess I'm telling you that because I don't know I can just imagine him just doing all that driving that he used to do and and he used to drive past this farm and he always thought it would grow really good Pinot Noir make really interesting wine and um, so yeah funnily enough we ended up buying the place. Um, and, and so, yeah, when I met him in France, he was on a, a Burgundy on a, he was, he was working, um, for a Burgundian winemaker and, um, yeah. And, and he got this opportunity, I guess, to come, to come back. And so we, uh, and yeah, it was an opportunity too good, too good to refuse, um, an opportunity to make his own wine. And then, and, and that was that, that was that we were, we were, we came back and, and then, you know, one day we came and looked at this farm and it was for sale and, and yeah, we, we did actually look, look around quite a lot. Like we looked in the Western district as well, near Henty, but yeah, this, this, it just, you know, one, you know, I won't go into all the details, but it just made sense to come here. And in the end, um, it's great dairy country as well. And it rains, everything grows. Like it's a pretty sweet spot to get into farming. Mm. Yeah, I must say I've had the the privilege uh, to come and uh, visit your farm and catch up with you there in in person. It is it's a very special place. Like uh, you know, the views around there's a there's such a there's a real vibe. Uh, I, I, I'm probably not doing it. <laughs> I'm describing it <laughs> in a very articulate articulate way. It's a really really cool vibe. Uh, there's a really I like places that you go and you visit, and sometimes it automatically. Well, for me, it's it feels like you could slow down or almost exhale. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, I'm glad a, that you felt that here. With, yeah, with a, when the really... three kids are home, you may not say that, but <laughs> but it's good. It was just me and the chooks, wasn't it, and the dogs? Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, oh yeah, we've been rushing around, and it was like, okay, great, yeah, we can just relax. And you made us a beautiful cake, and we had some delicious cream and a tea, and it was. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, I could. Um, I, I, I get this. Yeah, this is nice. Those are good moments. <laughs> they are good moments in life, the cake and the tea. Yeah, and it's always a treat when somebody interesting comes to visit as well, Dan, I have to say. I do enjoy those moments too. Oh, it was excellent. Well, thank you. Um, well, tell us, um, you were saying before uh, you met uh, Bill in France. What brought you to France? What were you doing there? I was was working for an American wine merchant called Kermit Lynch, I just love his name, so any excuse to say it, I will. <laughs> um, yeah, he. Um, I had been living in California, and I'd been working in his shop there in Berkeley. Uh, really cool little wine store, and uh, and then he needed someone in his office. He had he, he'd been doing it. He'd been importing wine from France for so long. He had a little office there, and um, because I spoke French, and the, the woman who whose spot I kind of – well, I went in to, to fill, I suppose, if you like, temporarily, had had to come back to the States for some surgery. So I got to go, which was like – Amazing. Yeah, I was stoked. Mm. I have to say that Kermit Lynch's book, Adventures Along the Wine Route, was a seminal book in my early yeah. wine career. Uh, I think that should be on the reading list of any young budding sommelier. It is absolutely brilliant and I just I still love that book that really did ignite uh, a passion and enthusiasm for all things wine in particular uh, France and Burgundy I should say as well yeah. what, a, what an amazing um, uh, you know opportunity and experience to have to to work you know in Burgundy with especially those wines that he was he was importing oh yeah oh no it was a thrill and um and he's a great storyteller isn't he i really mm. no i usually lend that to people if they haven't if they're interested in wine and they haven't read it before because i think it's still it's just full of great stories yeah it's a story about wine rather than a wine story if that makes any sense yeah <laughs> yeah the people are to the fore and the place and you get such a sense of the frenchness of it all like the regionality and yeah yeah, no, I was fully, fully, you know, blo- you know, um, fell in love with. I, I was already in in love with France, but um, yeah, that sort of took it to another level. Yeah. So, let's talk about cheese, uh, and I can only imagine being in such a in France, um, working for a wine merchant, being in Burgundy. Uh, is that where this sort of love um, uh, and passion came for all things cheese or dairy, or was there was there one moment in particular that can you imagine whether it be France or anywhere that you sort of said you just went this is this is this moment this is why I love cheese? Um, uh, possibly, I think I was born with a good appetite because um, <laughs> I had definitely liked eating well like all the way through. Um, but I do remember cause I, I was a nanny went up, you know, when I was 17, I went up, uh, to live with a family on the outskirts of Paris. And I do remember, I still remember the moment of eating my first goat's cheese fairly clearly. And what a strange taste it was. It was so strange. I had to keep tasting it, you know, couldn't get my head around it. Um, so I, it would have been, it would have been then. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe that 
the range and selection. Like so, like Roblachon and you know these little goats cheese logs. I think they were my main loves at the time. Conte, you know everybody's like baseline Everyone's cheese. Favorite. Yeah, so you worked in Burgundy, um, met Bill, moved back, to, moved back to to Gippsland, planted a vineyard, started a family, <laughs> and then when did um, when did you make the plunge to jump into doing your own uh, your own cheese business or the butterfly factory? When was that? Right at the end of twenty seventeen, and then so production started. Yeah, like in December. You know, it was very sort of uh, what would is hesitant in the word. I was a bit, I suppose, fearful of all the things that I didn't know. So, um, and certainly with the regulation. And so I, I felt as, and I also didn't have much equipment or anywhere to mature cheeses. Um, so, uh, yeah, we found a, found a space to lease in Warragul that had previously been um, licensed with Dairy Food Safety Victoria. So that, that seemed like a great opportunity. It wasn't too big. Um, it was about the right size. Um had a big cool room, but nowhere to mature cheese. So and I, I thought, well, that's that's fine. Um, I'll do milk. I'll do milk and yogurt. And and at the time, I was able to buy a beautiful cream that Gip, from Gippsland Jersey because at that stage they didn't have their own factory, so it was it was kind of byproduct of their skim milk. So I was able to get this amazing Jersey cream, and I just did cultured cream and butter. I did I did have a butter churn. Richard Thomas lent me very kindly. Um, yeah, so I started that way, which, you know, was, was fairly manageable, um, certainly from the complexity of, of the regulations as far as I was concerned. I do remember um, tasting the, the milk but also the butter in particular. I like to think of butter oh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a dip, not a spread. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's what I like to think about it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I remember, and especially in particular the milk was, it was really delicious and we were buying it because we could get it. I was living in um, Collingwood at the time and, of course, Meatsmith opened up on Smith Street. You could get your, uh, your products there. I don't know. There's something about the milk that, yeah, it was and the flavour and the taste about it was it was always amazing. Like it was just, it was so delicious and but rich but not heavy. Like where, where did you source the milk from? Yeah, that I was getting milk um, during that period that I was in Warragul from Rob Monk at um, out at Puong East. You mm. ever heard? Have you been there? <laughs> I've been through Puong, yes. Yes, of course. Very good. Um, well, um, yeah, it was um, Tams and Carbon who um, who had a beautiful little – it wasn't a restaurant but had a table that she used to um, have on the weekends. She would open it up and 10 or 12 lucky people would get to come and have lunch on a Saturday and a Sunday. So I had been I had been there because, you know, it was such fabulous food. Um, I've been there a few times and it was Tams and, and – um, Tamsin that had uh, told me about this neighbour of hers who had amazing milk. So he he was the he, I just went straight to him when I well initially we were we were going to be doing this butter project. I, I you know that's a bit of an an aside, but I, I had gone to him and and um, it looked it it looked like a a good a good option for him when we were talking about doing butter because the, the volumes were quite high. So he entertained me. Uh, with rose, with rose, <laughs> and he's got this beautiful home perched on the top of a hill with a gorgeous view of the valley that um, 
I can't remember the river that flows through there, but um, anyway, uh, so I met him and then tried to milk it, you know, and just having had Tamsin's word that it was so good was, was would have been enough, but if, sure enough, it was. It's like I often thought it had like a velvety character on the on the palate, like the sensation of made made me think of velvet. So it was, um, yeah, cheese making quality milk. Um, the Fleckby cows, you know, they might give twelve to fifteen liters a day. You know, it's not the same as what most commercial Fleckby herds. Uh, sorry, um, what's the other the, the Holstein? Parisian cows give much, much more. And um, he was milking once a day. And um, the other the other big one was he didn't feed any grain uh, or silage. So, you know, uh, I think in terms of his agricultural practices and as a potential cheese-making milk, which, you know, I still had obviously had that in mind, even though I wasn't making cheese at that time, like density, flavor, character, provenance. I really like the way Rob farmed. Um, I, I felt really comfortable with 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 all of that, and um, and to me that was really important. That if I was going to go to the trouble to do this, that it have flavor and character. Um, otherwise, you know, don't bother. Yeah, it it was. Um, oh, I do remember the milk, and, and again, all the, the products, the resultant products. Um, that came with that. Uh, it was so delicious. Velvety is such a great word. Yeah, it was just so delicious. Well, tell me. So when when was the first cheese? What was the first cheese that you made for Butterfly Factory? I should have thought that you'd ask me that and like at least write that down. I have such a terrible memory. It must. It, it, it was it was the beginning of last year. I think is that possible? Yeah. When did lockdown? When did all this COVID stuff? I, no, it was I think it was like that. 15 years ago. I yeah. don't remember. It's um, We've <laughs> been here for a long time. <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, and just a really simple little lactic curd cheese because um, I could sell it uh, fresh so I didn't need to have a maturing room. And and then I and then I just trialed the little monkeries, which are the same cheese but with a geotrichum mould and just like little 100-gram discs like a crotan size but you just pop them in the wine fridge and I was able to mature them in there so I, I, I had just started doing those before yeah in the, in the months preceding me not taking not renewing the lease in Warrigal and moving out the time in Warrigal um uh and they said the lease was up at the Warrigal factory then you was there there was a period of hiatus correct uh, yeah. to sort of like and you've only just started producing cheese again is that correct that's right last week <laughs> i was ve- and I, I know this because i was very excited and we were placing our order through the prom coast uh, collective uh, and we did see some of your cheese there which is very exciting so tell us uh, let's call it is, is, is this butterfly factory 2.0 tell us about uh, your your new home it's very small um it is um it has three maturing rooms, uh, a hastener, and then one for the white mold, and then one for the one for the you know raclette style, the the longer aging cheeses, um, and uh, and then it's just got my amazing dishwasher in it, and a couple of draining <laughs> tables. Um, it's situated in a lovely um, shed that we originally built 
to be a winery. It was built by Hamish Knox and it's a, a joy to be in it. It's built with old trusses and it has window panes inside the trusses so I can see the treetops. And and then I and then it's got it and they custom made a beautiful door too with paint with massive panes of glass in it so I can look out and see the and see Mount Bobo which is one of my favorite places in Gippsland. It's so, so beautiful up there. Um, and, yeah, so it's, t- it's, t- it's tiny, just some cool room panel that we put up inside inside this, this shed. Um, but it has the maturing rooms um, thanks to, um, yeah, a grant from the Vic government, um, small-scale craft program, which is kind of what, what really prompted me to get out of one and move because, um, yeah, building stuff in somebody else's space just didn't, it didn't make sense for us. So yeah, it's very simple. I've just got a 100 liter batch pasteurizer, which sometimes seems ridiculously small, but we did really, I did really want it to be small. And I have sheep out in the, in the paddocks that I, that's my, you know, the sort of the, uh, the end game, if you like, would be to milk the sheep and use that milk. And, And so it just, it didn't need to be big and as soon as you get that little bit bigger like really what I needed to be at the factory in Warrigal was a bit bigger then then everything cranks up like the and you start to you need employees and um it, it's a whole yeah so there's this small window which seemed it seemed worth worth going to the trouble to do um but it is it is quite micro Again, we're we're airing this uh, for the whole month of focusing on artisan month, and this this whole idea that's the importance of the artisan product is uh, when does artisan stop being artisan? I suppose is this question I keep asking myself is like, well, at what mm. at what scale does that change or shift, and does it matter, or can you sort of keep that integrity? But I think what I love about um, uh, the butterfly factory and the cheeses that you have produced, and I why I'm so excited about the ones that you are now, is that it is, it's that it's that finite element to it, uh, of it's it's something that will, you, you know, we can access and enjoy in in moderation because it's uh it, yeah, once it, once it's there, it's it, it's gone. It's that moment in time. I think that's really yeah, that's I was, really lovely. I was thinking about that as I was uh, uh, just this morning as I was. It was outside because, you know, when I, like I I'll collect the milk from, I suppose you know, I've started another conversation there, but um, Rob, Rob Monk retired uh, last year. And um, so that was sad, but very happy for him. Um, and, but amazingly, um, there are these, there's this lovely couple in Darnham, which is the town next to Yarragon. So, you know, it's like a five minute drive um, who milk Fleckby cows. Um, I'm pretty sold on the on the Fleckby, this dual purpose cow that, you know, doesn't that doesn't um give like mega liters per day. Like it's so and they also uh, they're certified organic organic currently, but, but they also um yeah, don't feed grain, don't feed silage, only make hay. And and um yeah, and the milk's lovely. It's not the same, which is also great, I think, to see. Like it's not exactly the same milk, but it's still beautiful quality milk and and yeah just just to say that i thought like that's what gives i suppose that's what gives me satisfaction is just being able to make a little something from just down the road that is unequivocally from this place and it's only got some cultures and salt in it and it tastes like what it tastes like because that's the what the milk tasted like that came from that farm Mm. 
Well, the cheeses that you're currently making, what are they and how how many different types are you producing at the moment? Well, the Camilla and Moncari are the, are the lactic curd cheeses and they're, you know, they start off being the same cheese, but I add a geotricum into the into the the buckets of that I'm that I want to grow that mold on the top that I mature with, um, for a little while, whereas the camellas just, um, yeah, um, I sell them the week the week that they're made. So they're sort of they're quite similar, but then end up looking quite different because the, as the geo mold ripens, um, the character of the cheese changes and becomes much sort of richer. Um, Sometimes it almost gets like meaty flavors to it. With this, with this different milk and in these different premises, I found that the geo molds behaving quite differently. So that's been something to of note, um, and becoming quite creamy underneath um, the surface. Um, um, the other, yeah. So, so that's those two, and then the one I'm working, the other cheese that I'm working on here is the, as a raclette um, recipe. Um, so been, I've been experimenting between, you know, smaller wheels, bigger wheels, like I was thinking about a two kilo wheel, but then they don't look quite right. So I've, now I'm trying some five kilo wheels and, um, and those, um, yeah, I will, I, I guess I have to wait about three months to really see, really see what they're like. Um, so that's all in the works. Um, so for now, it's just those two little lactic curd cheeses um, that I that I have. But I, I don't really. I think potentially maybe I'd like to add on um, something like a San Nectar, that that sort of style. But um, but I'll try to get the. I'll work on this raclette first, and then. And, but that's that's really the scope of the of the endeavor. You know, it doesn't know bigger than that, ex- except maybe one day to have some sheep cheese if we. If we ever figure out how to milk them, you know. <laughs> well, that, that was always going to ask you, um, which I think you probably answered that. But there was, is, is there one cheese that you currently don't make that you want to? You know, what what, what would that be? Would it be a oh, sheep's milk um, cheese? I, well, I, I – and I, of course, my references are, are French and, I mean, we don't – but San Nectar is a cheese that I love and, and, and then you, if you look around, it's not – you don't really see anything quite – in that, well, don't see many cheeses in that style here. Um, but because I like it, yes, I think it would be nice to hear. I'd, I'd like to try to make something like that. But and I, I have yet to sort of yet to hear anyone talk in positive tones about the mucor mold, the cat hair mold that grows all over it. And um, because I have such a small space, if I if I start encouraging something like that, that's probably the only thing I'm going to be able to do there, which which would be fine as well. I and it's it, you know down that makes me think of like why 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 we do things and and I think often it is um, you know it's sort of out of necessity um, make lactic curd cheeses because you can you can make it easily in a bucket and you can sell it fresh and it's you know and that's that suits that sort of time, place, market, whatever, proximity. And then, um, yeah, I, I kind of like that idea that your in, environment, you know, shapes what you make. It's not just you sort of pick something out of a catalogue and aim for that. Yeah, I, I like that. It's a, just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask, um, and I know this is a probably a, 
which interesting question to ask being that you know this is the start of the journey in your new home and this factory um, at your home if we were having this conversation in 10 years time what cheese would you be putting on a plate to share well that's a that is a good question um what popped into my mind was a little yeah little disc of fresh lactic cow's milk um and that maybe we could shave truffles all over and have a little glass of pinot noir with that afternoon tea that's that's great. When when I am booking in for that, <laughs> oh, Rachel, that sounds um, absolutely delightful. And uh, and you know, I'd say as well that uh, some delicious Pinot from uh, Bill's uh, Bill's Wine, which is absolutely incredible and delicious. Uh, it sounds sounds incredible, and uh, um, I'm so uh, happy for you for taking the time to talk to us and I'm so excited for you um, being you've got a new home in, in uh, at a new cheese making home at your home <laughs> and I can't wait to uh, to see the cheese that uh, is produced there and uh, and continue to follow um, your amazing journey so Rachel thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat to us on the podcast oh thank you very much Dan it's been a pleasure thanks so much for listening in to the mold cheese collective podcast If you'd like to hear more, we do hope you consider subscribing or even better, share it with your mates or via the socials. It all goes a long way to help us spreading the good word about Australian cheese. If you'd like to get in touch or have any feedback at all, please follow us at the socials at at Cheese or send us an email to hello at moldcheesefestival.com. We've got so many more conversations to come. So until next time, cheers.